That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV, get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, 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 no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You You'd defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Joker Welcome to another quarantine edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. I am JC. Along with me is our guy, Nestlemania. I'm ready to go, just like I flip tires in the daytime, baby. Let's do this. Oh, boy. Well, I don't think we'll be starting there, but one place I would like to start, and I know you're going to be thrilled at this, too, is, you know, leading into WrestleMania, one of the best storylines was Mandy, Otis, Sonya, and Dolph and all that, and they found a way now to make it one of the most interesting things on WWE TV once again, because this week, Sonya and Mandy were supposed to have a little summit, because, you know, best friends, the Mandys, blah, 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 but, uh, you know, Sonya pulled the old stretcheroo and popped off an old Mandy, uh, and uh, Dolph actually came out to beg her to stop. Uh, Sonya got a nice little cheap shot in. Otis made the save. I think Otis and Mandy eventually did stand tall, but Nestlemania, for me, this is my favorite part of the week. I thought it was the most interesting. How about you? I did appreciate I got to stand with my girl, uh, Sonya, because she was calling Mandy a hack and that she was just there for her looks. I love it. I thought it was very truthful. It's good I thought it was very tactics. good. I don't know about truth. It, yeah, We're it, talking about always well, the shine know, right here. Tomato, tomato, but it is what it is. And then, like, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, Sonia's sitting there talking about everything. She has that very Marty Janetti feel of, like, you know, it could have been me, could have been me. But, you know, I, I think that having Dolph aligned with her, I, this is the part where you're going you're gonna to be flabbergasted. I say this out loud. Dolph is going to rub off on Sonia and make Sonia a bigger star. And I think Mandy is a bigger star in rubbing off on Otis, making him a bigger star. I agree. So, it's interesting to me when I watch it because I was like, okay, I can get into this. Now, granted, we're going to get to the mixed tag here, but after that, where do we go, right? Like, where's where's the next layer? Is there a next layer, or is this, like, the, the big crescendo at the end of this thing? Because after that, it's like, do you go longer? Do you go too long? Do you cut it off just now? I mean, like, I'm looking at this going, do I really care? I mean, yes, I want to see a Mandy Sonya match. That's okay. I've already seen Otis and, and Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. You know, is it a swerve where the, the girls are in love with each other? I don't know, but it's just... <laughs> I, uh, it's just it's odd to me because it's, it's enjoyable, but I think that there's a short lifespan on this one. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, obviously, I think the real legwork of this feud happened, like we said, before WrestleMania, but um, my concern was after is, like, you know, I remember in our thread we were arguing with Ray Ray, and I told him to try to name me five things better than Britt Baker in wrestling right now, and he could only name one, and he was trying to name this, and I said, no, because this is over, but this week they found a way to, you know, jumpstart it, and the jumpstarting was, yes, we focused so much on Otis and Mandy and Otis and Dolph, now we're finally getting into the Sonya part of it because she was part of the big reveal. And her and Mandy obviously have the three, four, five, however many years of history it has together. So it will be interesting to see how it culminates. But I will say the nice thing about this feud is, yes, like the Sonya-Mandy match, it'll probably be fine. It'll be interesting. We'll be hyped for it. But I love stories that'll have a lot of good lead up. And I think this is something week to week to week for the next however long this goes will be incredibly interesting and probably something we're going to continue to bring up in the shine. Mm, mm. What I like what you, you did there. What else you got, bro? I have to call myself on the carpet. I think that uh, Austin Theory versus Alistair Black was the best match of the week, and I wow. thought there was a very good back and forth. As much as I think the kid's too young to be where he is, he's clearly there for a reason. He's, he's taken the, the advantage of the opportunity. The, you know what it is? I, and I think it's this is this is the hard part that I have to be honest with myself about. I don't mind him. He's just not one of my guys. But there's a very Roderick Strong feel about him, and I don't know why. It's just like he's solid in the ring. He's very good. It's just something about him makes me go, eh, I wouldn't pay to see him. So I don't completely disagree. I do, honestly, I think he has more of that it than Roderick Strong does because when you're referring to the Roderick Strong, it's just a generic, very good wrestler who just doesn't really stand out. I think Theory has the potential to really stand out because, first of all, he kind of always has that resting douchebag face. Um, and I think that's really important in wrestling, especially like – 
he could be a different kind of heel because he is that kind of high flyer and everything. So it could be a different spin on it. That's why I think it is smart to have him with Zelina for now because, I mean, I don't know if this promo work is up to snuff, honestly, because we haven't heard enough of it. But this is at least a way to, you know, help get him here. And I think, like, working with her and being around her is going to help develop him a lot, especially – you know, being part of the stable, uh, the spotlight isn't on him all the time, except for when it needs to be in the ring in a situation like this, and I agree. That match was phenomenal. We've seen Aleister Black. We're used to a lot of short matches, but when he gets a chance to really get in there with a guy and, like, put together a story, they usually come out pretty damn good. Mm. And also, i got to say, going off of something else, you can't go wrong with the Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro match. I yep. mean, that thing was beautiful, and every time, I mean, they, like I said, can wrestle a thousand times, they'll find a thousand different ways to entertain you, and they're definitely good at their jobs, and that's why they were there. Yeah, absolutely, and to round out the Money in the Bank qualifiers, as we mismentioned, Aleister Black, Daniel Bryan, Apollo Crews, your boy, beat MVP, and Rey Mysterio beat Buddy Murphy, so we now have four people in the men's Money in the Bank, uh, Money in the Bank with two more to go. I Look, I, I loved Rey versus Buddy. I thought that was an amazing match. I thought it was hell of a, you know, back and forth. I wanted to give props to, and this is the part that I want people to listen to. I want people to go back to because we shit on Byron Saxton all the time about everything that he does. But Byron Saxton, in my opinion, in that matchup alone was the reason why that matchup to me was that next layer good because he got into it with the commentary. He talked about the storytelling of, oh, it made it seem like he injured his hand by accident. Then he went to work on the hand. Then he said at some point, like, can he hit the 619? He kept adding dramatic you know, points to what he was talking about while this was going on. And I was watching it going like, oh, wow, like I would watch Buddy and Mysterio do it a bunch of times. But the fact that Byron's going at it, I thought Byron was an unsung hero of that matchup. And I know a lot of people are going to give me guff, but I think that if you go back and you listen to it again, you'd see that the guy did his best work in that matchup. I don't disagree. And as you know, I actually am a Byron guy. I mean, I think, you know, that Stone Cold segment he had that he absolutely saved by being awesome. Um, so I'll always uh, stick up for Byron. I'm right there with you. But you know what? You brought up commentary. And I don't know how you're going to feel about this. Actually, I probably do. And you're probably not going to like it. But the Street Profits on commentary this week for Bianca's match, I expected it to be obnoxious. I did have to turn my TV down because it was loud and it was getting late. But I was fucking dying because at one point, like, just – and then, the, like, Bianca's just doing her thing. All of a sudden, Dutton goes, and one! And obviously, that's a big basketball guy. I just lost it completely lost it and then after the match you have montez ford lip-syncing bianca's theme to the camera i just like the electric factory with these three together is so much fun they took like a jobber match when there was like 10 of them on raw this one stood out to me uh bianca beat santana garrett because it's just a different thing um so i'm enjoying it i know that you sometimes are a bit of a hater but not me hater hater here's what i'll say Watching the EST versus Santana Garrett, moment of silence for Santana Garrett, who probably would have been amazing in the 2000s, but her she looks like she's something out of 1999 to 2000. Like she is, she is two decades behind her look, but she 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 did a good job. Uh, she looks like she would definitely be a better diva than she would be a women's wrestler. That's my opinion. Agree. Uh, but but the commentary was fun. Uh, they got her over, which and that's the thing. When I was watching it, I went, "Oh, here comes Santana Garrett." You know, Santana Garrett. This was going to be under my jobber alerts, but they had to get her over on commentary, and you couldn't just have three minutes of those guys yelling for three minutes. They took their time. They had a comp- There's a. I think I'm. I think I'm going to graduate us, Josh, to uh, who the fuck is Josh from <laughs> jobber matches. We, we we have jobber alerts. I think that there uh, we should work in more more of these competitive matches. I think we should say there's the lowest form is the jobbers. Then there's a competitive match like this one. This was a competitive match to get over the EST. Um, but again, I enjoyed afterwards, but not anything else. It's just the match itself was just kind of like, okay, it's a showcase. Let's move on. It went a little bit long. I did appreciate. I don't mind. I don't mind Montez Ford. It's Angelo Dawkins saying the same thing five, six, seven, eight times. Come on, fam. Like it's, just like, it's just like I get that there's nobody there. Come on, JC. You gotta remember that. Like after a while, it's just like, yeah. I think here's, and it, it might be part of their plan, which is fine. But I think that, and again, this is where you're gonna have the Nestle Haterade. Put it on a box. I don't care, uh, or <laughs> any type of bottle, you know, and just make it orange. Uh, but there's, there's something about these three together that makes me feel like I'm starting to hate them, in a in a heel way. That I'm thinking, okay, like they've got the championships, they've got the toughest chick, they're doing this whole thing. In my opinion, I think that they are going to be heels relatively soon because I don't think there's many baby faces uh, 
sorry, heels that they can work with right now in the quarantine. So I, I do see some type of gray area with these two because I think if we see the sing-along Vikings and, of course, oh, your Ricochet teams. Cedro um, you know, get it right. Ced Rocher. Sounds like crochet when you say it. Ced That's where they're going to be in a couple of years no, in a nursing home. Uh, no, they're future Raw Tag Team Champions. They had a showcase as well and won their match. They did. They did. They had a match against uh, my favorite tag team of Shane Thorne and <laughs> the Vink. The Vink is surely becoming my favorite jobber of all time. The Vink. Just the Vink. I don't even Early know. I forget his first for, name. Brandon. Uh, 2020 uh, knocker of the year, jobber of the year. I think, but I mean, I could go through all the jobbers right now if you really want to, because there's so many. But the Vink, there's something about the Vink that's so generic that I enjoy it. Like that, that is a quintessential jobber. When I think jobber, it is this guy is white vanilla, like coming out of like just he just had a he had a 14 hour shift at the at the Wawa, put on his tights and he fucking and he got it annihilated. And that's exactly what I just saw with him and, and Shane Thorne. I used to love Shane Thorne as part of T uh, TM38 or 36, TM6-1, whatever it was. One, I believe. Whatever the, the hell mighty. It was. The mighty have fallen, uh, but yeah, the, the, there's so much about this like tag team division that I'm nervous about when it comes to Raw specifically, where it's just like the, the Street Profits are great, but they're more of the showtime, but then you get to like the sing-along and you get to the fucking random tag team bits, and I'm just like, okay, I, I guess I'll buy it for now, but man, we are in such a holding pattern, and you just got rid of like the good brothers, you got rid of like at least the tag team you could have traded victories with for a while, but they were considered non-essential. The so, thing whatever. that I, the reason, so I'm, I don't think this is going to be immediate, but I think part of the reason why Raw is kind of, it feels to me, this is how it feels to me, um, just watching it. Um, I think Raw is paving the way for the Undisputed Era to be up sooner rather than later on Raw. Just the way that, because like you said, you have the Street Profits doing their thing, we have Cedroche kind of holding it down, and then beyond that, it's the Vikings who are fucking, I don't even know what that is, that that thing. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later, but um, but yeah, like you said, the Good Brothers are gone, uh, at least for now. Uh, Hawkins and Ryder, at least, like they were a team, they're gone. So, an AOP, one of them's injured. So it feels like I just, to me, it just feels like they're paving the way for the undisputed era. It is very well, you know. We we could get some random ass team from NXT as well that I'm sure that they're waiting to to, to blow see, up. NXT doesn't have forgot. a lot either because the team you forgot went to SmackDown. It's really those two big buffoons that are there now, and then the. Uh, Pete Dunn can't even get over here, so it's just like you have Matt Riddle teaming with uh, what's his name there, Les Thatcher, uh, former yeah, Imperium guy, Timothy, Thatcher. Timmy. Timothy, Timothy Thatcher, yeah. yep. And so they they lack depth too. That's why it just, but it feels like to me it just feels like as at least the tag team portion of it, the undisputed era. Once Adam Cole loses that title, there's not much more for them to do down there. We'll see, we'll see, because I think the the hard part is going to be there's going to be such a logjam once the quarantine is either lifted or there's some type of release on it, because I think that what we're doing is it's like how the sausage is made. You're just squishing so many things in there, and then all of a sudden, you know, like they're going to have you know Randy Orton, Edge, AJ Styles, all these random guys that have been doing the heavy lifting for most of the year come back, and now all the guys like you know in Austin Theory, the Los Lonely Boys all these other, like, random fucking things, like, you know, said Roche, whatever the hell you call them, they're going to be shoved down, you know, to the bottom of the barrel again, even though they've been lifting pretty much the last so, six weeks, they've been doing all the heavy lifting. This is so the, I think that's a hard part to really get. We're going to have a, a real uncomfortable situation watching on television. So pretty much what you brought up is something that WWE has failed at for years now because we always talk about, like, the regular – you always bring up the regular season and the playoffs. So the playoffs come in, the postseasons, like Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, when all those guys come back. And the thing WWE struggles with is highlighting those guys that carry you most of the year and integrating them with these guys. And that's something I think that they really – this now more than ever when this whole thing is lifted they need to learn how to do it like mix edge with one of these guys that's all of a sudden on fire during this quarantine mix randy orton in one of these guys like you know it's just it's more of that overlap as opposed to just like kind of separating it and putting people down i think this is really going to give them an opportunity when this is over especially depending what happens at money in the bank and everything else to really integrate them more and have maybe the person who's been carrying it taking on the person who's coming in i think that's a lot more appealing at least to me yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just think that we've known that history will repeat itself, and they are the winners of history, so they'll just have revisionist history no matter what and make sure that they're great at everything. I mean, if the Forgotten Sons have taken over NXT and you know they <laughs> they won the battle, yada, yada, it's like, okay, like they just they just paint broad strokes with everything they do because they just think we're all stupid and buy into it. But the Forgotten Sons are going to go over like a fart in church. I mean, there's so many things that I'm watching. Like To me, Raw was way more action-packed, and I enjoyed most of it. 
but then I went to SmackDown and I'm like, oh, there are a couple things on SmackDown I really enjoyed. But then there were things where like you have Tamina versus Sasha and we'll talk about that later. But like there's other things that you're just like, oh, like it's headed like in my opinion, Raw is head and tails, head and shoulders rather better than SmackDown because it's usually SmackDown is a wrestling show. But there's so much hogwash on SmackDown. There's so much uh, fluff, 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 as we talk about, or the gaga, that I'm just kind of like, and it sucks because there's two hours of it, too. So I think Raw deserves a credit. I think Raw deserves a lot of credit. Like, they had a great match with Theory and Black. They've had, you know, things going around, like trying to get that tag team division, trying to they get it off the ground. They had 11 matches on Raw you know? last night. I mean, Apollo Crews did a great job, you know, like, what about he, the main event? What did, you think, what did you think of the McIntyre-Garza match? Because I thought, honestly, this is some of the most dominant Drew McIntyre has really looked in the ring. I Here's here's what I, and this is the old school, like I know I'm only 33, but th- there is a definite get-off-my-stoop Nassle version <laughs> of myself where like, I watch the main event and I think this is the main event to me is the thing that I want to be two, three segments long. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing that is supposed to make me on the edge of my seat, get me excited. Like, I've waited all night for this fucking thing. I did not wait all night for Drew and Angel. Like, to me, that wasn't like, eh, that could have been done at the beginning of the night, especially since they had the promo. And I think that it would have been perfect because it would have shown his dominance. And it, it was such a quick match. I think it was less than seven minutes where it was just like, okay, he won. Claymore, Claymore. He did this thing. Yeah. And then he, like, he did the sexy boy slide up the ramp at the end, which made me giggle, which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just it's hard for me to be like okay he's definitely feeling it and i can i can get behind somebody that's feeling it as champion because that's hard to do especially and i think he deserves a lot of credit there was no crowd not being able to feel that crowd he's doing the best he can based on the fact that he's literally wrestling in front of just techs and random people that are part of wwe you know what i mean so i think it's a good match but i think like it painted him in a better picture than the, the weeks before but the promo was just odd to me at the beginning of the day because it's just like he comes out with a weird cadence He's, he's not talking as if he's talking to the camera. He seems like he's still trying to talk to the crowd through the, through the camera, like through the television screen, which I guess is probably his directive. And I'm curious how you feel about it. But it's just, there's something about him that they're trying very hard. He belts the bell great in the ring, but the, the connection is hard to make, especially when he's doing these random-ass promos and they're making random cuts in this promo. It just, it does something to me where I'm just like, eh, you know. And then, of course, we have, you know, the three Los Lonely Boys. They, they, I think they, they won one, they lost one, and didn't, I don't really, oh, no, they won two. Okay, Andrade beat Taz. I forgot about that one. In a competitive matchup, by the way. Yeah, they went one and two, and I will say the, the takeaway for them, at least, was that um, Andrade did attack Drew during that promo, but Garza and Theory refused to help because they were kind of playing, like, the scared thing. But it also kind of teased there could be some dissension in the Zelina Boy ranks where, you know, her original, uh, 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 client isn't getting help from her two new clients, so I think that's something to keep an eye on. But I will say, in regards to McIntyre, is yeah, it's the challenge with him was always going to be like, how does it translate with no crowd? And I think yes, I think for his part, I think for the most part, he's done great. I think they do need to present him better. I feel really bad for him because this guy has been on such a roll. He's like, like you said, he's feeling himself. He's like, he's he's hitting all the right notes, and it just it's not he's not getting it back because it's just it's not possible for him to do that and. It's frustrating, and I just I don't know how they're going to continue to book him to make him interesting. I think him and Seth is an interesting type feud with this Seth character. I don't know how it will go because the match is in two weeks, so that's not a lot of build. I believe it's like one or two Raws, and they're having one. We're assuming this is probably going to be like a multi-match feud, but at the same time, it's just I I am concerned about how they're going to continue to present him because there's only so much you can do if he's going to be there every week, so I... Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think there's a couple of thoughts I want to talk about very quickly, but the thing that I wanted to hit on first is uh, Kevin Owens beat Seth Rollins. Do you think Seth Rollins is really going to have a back-to-back loss cleanly? I mean, they paint him in a corner with Seth Rollins where it's like if he loses, it's going to be by some chicanery. It's got to be a schmazz. Like but the other issue you know, is, not... is the other world title match could also be a schmazz, so we could be looking at two schmazzes. Right. But we have two ladder match or whatever – the ma- if it's one match, I don't even know anymore, um, for Money in the Bank that they're hoping probably can cancel it all out. I say just have it be one match and have six and six and just have them run amok all over the damn That's place. That's what it seems like. It really feels like it's going to be like some American Ninja Warrior type fucking course where you're, you know, you got to get through this building and then one man and one woman gets to the top, you know? Or the one man grabs the woman case and the woman grabs the man case. Or Ellsworth pops and up that and takes both. 
That's true. That's yeah. true. I'm, I'm curious. We haven't really talked about the corporate ladder gimmick here. Uh, do you think they're going to the well too many times? So I'm torn on this because I get why they're doing it, obviously, logistically and everything. Um, and I am intrigued because it's something different, and I'm fine with having something different. But as you know, the Money in the Bank ladder match is my second favorite thing of the year after the Royal Rumble. And obviously, you know, for many reasons, they're trying to limit the amount of people together. So that obviously is probably a concern with this. That's why instead of having seven or eight like they have in recent years, it's six and six. Um, But I am intrigued by it because I think it's going to be different. So I'm not going to bury it or say it's bad or anything because I do think they have my attention. um, And I am curious to see how they do it. But it's a mixed bag because obviously, yes, I'm sad because I'm not getting my ladder matches. It is odd to me because I think there will be a portion of ladder matches. I just think that they're going to the well too many times. I think they're doing these cinematic things a little too much. I hope it's not cinematic. I hope it's just multi-camera cut. That's fine. I don't mind that. But in terms of this corporate ladder thing, like, are they all going to be like, all right, everybody get in your running positions at the uh, the start of the door in the lobby. Ready, set, okay, go. And then there's like a gun that goes off and they have to like battle through the elevators and the staircases. And then like, what? I mean, like, I think the problem with these things is they – create these moments where like a boneyard or the firefly funhouse where like those those two have the firefly funhouse and the boneyard definitely ex- exceeded our expectations because we really didn't know what we were getting but i feel like this one paints such a broad picture for us where we remember what was like for the super bowl ad back in the day and all these other things like they you know that are there in the headquarters that like i don't know if this these matchups are going to deliver in terms of what it is it just seems a little too slapstick for me but i am intrigued by it i just hope that there's like not too much clowning around. Like, I hope that it's like a legit, like battle through the warehouse, battle through triple H's or Vince's or, you know, like go through different things. Like, you know, maybe there's a guy at a water cooler or something and then they just beat the shit out of him. Like that's fine every once in a while for a comic beat. But if it becomes like the three stooges with like pies and shit like that in catering or, or in the break room or whatever, like, how does that matter to me? You know what I mean? Like I'd rather than like battle to the top or something like that. It's, it seems like we're we're literally a half a second away from a different pay-per-view where they just have Braun at the top of the building and you have to fight to get to the boss level to face Braun. That, I mean, like that we are that close. We it, we are that close. He is he is Donkey Kong at the top, rolling the just throwing the the things down at, at Mario trying to get up. Like that's that's how it feels like, you know. And it, it's it's comical. They're definitely putting the E in entertainment. They're doing a great job, but I don't know specifically how you feel about this because. I think this could be amazing, or we could be looking at this going, boy, that was that was dog shit. Yeah, with anything where they're, you know, what it's one thing with WWE, and this is why I'm trying not to be like overly critical before I see something. Is that the biggest thing has been like they're not willing to put themselves out there and you know try these things. That was the big thing we saw Matt Hardy starting all this stuff in TNA, and people were like, oh man, WWE never does anything, blah, blah blah. And they're starting to at least like you know put themselves out there where they know it's like we could do this and this could be the coolest thing in the world, like the Boneyard or the Firefly Funhouse, or it could be the absolute worst thing we've ever done, um, like. A, some of their other terrible segments they've done over the years. So I do like that they're getting back to taking their chances. Um, so again, I, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I just want to wait and see. I do want to see the round out of the fields to see who else is in it. I also am curious if there's going to be surprise appearances because it is such an open forum of like, kind of like, um, like you said, like a video game, you got maids, you got to get to the top, you know? So I'm, I'm intrigued. I think is the best way to put it. Okay. Let's move on. Should we get to the heat? Cause I don't got much else shine here. Okay, go for it. Big boy, let's get off the TV. Get off my TV. Get off my TV. Um, so, ah, man. I hate putting this in the heat because I love all these guys. But, you know, I I defended this last week. And the reason I defended it was because it was going to be an easy way for the Miz and Morrison to retain their titles. Well, they didn't do oh, that. Oh, boy. The New Day, uh, specifically Big E, won the tag team titles in the, in the singles triple threat ladder match. I did not want. Hey, hey. Ho ho to end. Um, there could be um, reasons that we don't know. Maybe the Miz isn't going to be traveling anymore, or maybe Morrison isn't. We, we don't know about things like that. Maybe that could be part of the reason why they did it. But either way, what happened on TV, I didn't love it. Um, I also thought it stinks that Kofi wasn't there to celebrate for the titles. I know they did like the immediate like from home thing with him and Woods, which is interesting. But I just feel like 
we went backwards in terms of the tag teams here because the Usos sure seem like the next team, but Miz and Morrison were the team of now. And obviously you're building up some other teams. SmackDown has a shit ton of tag teams. Like you talk about Raw not having any, SmackDown has a shit ton because we got freaking Heavy Machinery and Glorious who we aren't even mentioned. We got the Forgotten Sons who we forgot about, the Lucha House losers. Like there's a shit ton of tag, and then the Shinsuke boys. Like that's, that's technically a tag team too. There's tag teams everywhere on SmackDown. And I don't know, I just... I didn't love this. The match was whatever, but I just I was surprised. Yes, but I didn't like it. This match was about seven minutes long, and that's your main event again. Quick, easy. Like it just seemed like let's get in, let's get out, let's make our point. I mean, they might as well have had John Morrison show up and just hand them the belt. That's how I felt about this entire thing. It did. It felt like they were just rolling around in the dark. It had had no rhyme or reason to it. It was just weird to me, and I appreciated that New Day won. That they tied the Dudley Boys. That's a big stat. You know that they. I think they're nine-time champions or something like that. But uh, it's just it's hard for me to watch, and I think that you know, like I said, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of WrestleMania. I wasn't a fan of this. It's not tag team wrestling. It's stupid. I get I get that we have to think outside the box in the quarantine. But for me, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, God damn it, this needs to stop. So. Well, I think before we continue to just bury this, um, was there was an interesting thing that's come out of all this. We saw the hacker showed up again, and it seemed that the hacker yes. was targeting tag teams. You've been very adamant mm. that you think it's uh, Mufasa there, Mustafa Ali. Um, I obviously said it was Killer Cross. It does not appear that that'll be true, as he's doing big things down there. Because you're wrong. Yeah, no, but uh, the, big, the big reason is because it was clearly a white hand. So I have a new no, man. No, it's not. I have a new man to nominate, and you know who it is? It's Shorty motherfucking G, bitch. Shorty G was the hacker. That was his hand. It was white. Can't dispute it. Shorty G. You guys are all all out of place. You guys are so far out of bounds. You are so out of touch. You guys are literally like, turn up turn up your hearing aids, Grandpa, to listen to something that's real. This is it right here, okay? The You guys have been telling me, the hand, the hand's a lighter color. The hand's a lighter color. No, it is not. Yes, it was. No, it is not. No, it is not. Look at this still, You guys bro. are going to be sorely, you're going to be laurel, sorely disappointed when you find out that it's going to be Ali because you're going to be, you're, you're sitting, again, you're sitting here doing ma- mental masturbation in your head thinking like, oh, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be. Oh my God, it's going to be great. It's not. It's going to be Ali. You're going to be upset. You're going to be like, oh, Nessa was right once again. Ding <laughs> dong, you ever dead, been and that's right? it. <laughs> I've been right a couple times. In like your entire I've been a couple, life? Or like on this podcast. Oh no, I mean on this program. I'm pretty sure there are some big ones on this program. Just you know, it is what it is. I don't remember anything. I'm just but... saying. I don't know. I, I, you know, nothing that stands out right now, I guess, but you know, whatever, it's fine. So you don't think it's, it's Seamus fine. like T J said. <laughs> <laughs> Why would Seamus here's the thing that I don't think like here's the thing that I don't disagree is like everybody in pretty much understands that the light is there from his hand, which it means that's kinda his thing. I'm more. I want to get into the detective version of, of what's going on here because I, I, it doesn't matter who it is. You can say Shorty G. That's all you want because you know I was actually watching a theory video. It's not my theory. It's somebody else's theory. So you know it's good. But it's uh, saying that it is Shorty G. Because he was in a tag team with Jason Jordan and he got broken up with. Then he was in a tag team with uh, Shelton Benjamin. No, it was uh, yeah Shelton Benjamin that got broken up with. Then he was with. Um, Bobby Roode and that got broken up, but so he's got a thorn in his side. Well, for he tag was also team, with your hope. boy Mustafa Ali, and that has just ended. Sure. So who knows? It could be all interconnected. I don't know, but maybe I think, they're uh, doing it together, know, Nestle. Maybe you saw a video with a tan hand, and I saw a video with a white hand because it's two different people. Okay. Well, when you guys are all done, you know, pussyfooting around and thinking like, "Oh my God," you know, it's going to be this guy. When you want to come to the truth, the truth is actually going to be heard, and it's from Nestlemania is that it is Ali. You can you can put money on it right now. So what are you going to do though if then what I just brought up is correct and that it's Mustafa Ali and Shorty G and we're both right? How would that make you feel? It would it, it'd be half right, so I wouldn't be that terribly wrong. So I don't care. I, I don't I don't mind sharing respect or sharing you know ad, adulation. I think you don't like sharing adulation. No, I I'm fine with sharing it. I just want to make sure that my adulation is a little brighter than yours because you know that's how it should be. It should be shinier. Yeah. You're such a dink. Uh, so let's get let, let's get to the meaty part of this program where we're talking about the truth will be heard. He does, let's say, he brings up a picture of the Usos. He brings up Bliss Cross. He brings up New Day, Miz and Morrison, Sasha and Bailey. So he was saying that somebody's hiding something. Does that necessarily mean somebody's going to turn? Maybe. Let's go through all of these and think very quickly. Do you think the Usos are going to turn on each other or that there's a lie between the Usos? Nope. I don't think so. I think that is a brotherhood that is the, the stalwart of the tag team division. Next. 
Bliss Cross, to me, seems like the most logical decision that one of them is going to turn on each other. I think Bliss is going to get tired of Nikki Cross's spastic times. So that's definitely something to think about. I eh. think the, the home group, you don't care about that one? Okay, no, I, I think, don't, the one I don't we're think all I think they're pretty solid for now. I think the one that we're all cheering for is the New Day. I don't know if they're going to break up that cash cow, especially now that they have the tag titles and the fact that they have a podcast. It's going to be hard for them to continue to break something up, especially well, just, if they know the podcast is doing so well. Let's hit a pause there then because they won the tag team titles with one person. There's three of them anyways, and one of them's been out of commission forever and plenty of time to grow some facial hair and become a heel. So maybe Xavier Woods is the one who turns. Uh-huh. Maybe. There is room. There's free company. Who knows? It's a possibility. It's the one we want. It's the one we want. Uh, Miz and Morrison, I don't see that happening considering they just were put together. And then there's Sasha and Bailey, which to me is probably the one that is going to happen regardless of what's going on. Um, so... I, the other thing, too, is you got to look at it this way, is that they've done a really good job of showing all the tag teams or all the people that are in teams on SmackDown. So there could be, you know, there's nothing on Raw. This is specifically a SmackDown gimmick. So it doesn't seem like the truth is going to be out there for Raw. It seems like you can lie, cheat, and steal on Raw because that guy's safe from Raw, um, which is fine. It could be a woman. Who knows? Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's a guy's hand. Uh, but, you know, I think Sasha and Bailey or, you know, Bliss Cross seems to be the one that I put my money on. And I think that uh, Sasha Banks is going to be uh, having – She's going to end up turning babyface because something's going to happen where Bailey has lied to her about something, and you know it is what it is. And I think that uh, Bailey's going to be pissed and call out the hacker, and then there's going to be some random ass video about maybe uh, Bailey sabotages the album release of, of Sasha or something weird. So who knows? Well, uh, obviously that's been the one on screen they've teased the most. We saw actually this week Bailey threw Sasha in a match against Tamina, where if Tamina won, she get a shot. Uh, Lacey Evans actually came out and helped Tamina win, so I. My literally my notes say, thank God it wasn't clean. Um, but I will say, and I saw you tweet about this too, Sasha Banks kind of pulled a little bit of a match out of there, out of Tamina somehow. She did. It was like I said, you can't have uh, you can't have Tamina without stamina, and I think uh, I think it's stamina without Tamina. But you know what I mean. It's uh, it's one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is a match. It helps. It, it is what it is. Like it's a foregone conclusion. There's no, as we talk about, there's no stakes, baby. There's no stakes. It's just like they make it seem like there's a stake because. You know, oh, if she wins, she faces Bailey. But I mean, who the fuck is going to face Bailey otherwise, right? So I mean, you're sitting there foregone conclusion. There is a little trinket here. You, do, I don't know if you go back and watch. Sasha did smile a little bit when Bailey got knocked down. So, you know, it, I think they're doing a, a layers. There, there, there's an onion to this, and I think there are layers. And it's the more that it happens, the more that it stinks. Especially with Tamina, with stamina. Yeah. Um. So we have. To... And also, how do you feel about how do you feel about Lacey's lace it up? Lacey's what? Did you see that? She says, I'm on a mission, and then she says, lace it up, and her shirt says, lace it up, and she's putting Sasha's uh, hand, uh, name on her fist. You it's, see that shit? It's interesting. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just a way for them to smell, sell more merchandise, I guess. It is what it is. She, I mean, they, I do think that they need to find, because so much of her gimmick is, like, heel-based, and it was so good as a heel that they do need to try to find some babyface things that work for her, because she's a babyface now. So it's an mm, attempt. Mm. It's an attempt at that. Okay. You know what else is an attempt? At least we thought it would be an attempt. We spent about five minutes on this program last week talking about how it was a waste of time. Uh, you were very upset because you're like, why is Dana Brooke getting a tag team title match and in Money in the Bank? We know she's going to lose. Well, guess what, WrestleMania? Not only is Dana Brooke getting a tag team title match this week on SmackDown, she also beat Naomi to qualify for Money in the Bank, so she will be in the corporate ladder match. I think that this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was a sloppy <laughs> match to begin with. Well, this yeah. match, as much as as much as I love the two competitors, or like you want to cheer for Dana Brooke and you want to cheer for Naomi, there's such a fucking like. Here's and I'm being super critical, and I'll be super critical for one moment. When you watch a wrestling match, you want to be taken into a situation where you're watching something that makes you happy and makes you forget about what you're going on. This one seems like two people helping each other choreograph something to a point of like the umpteenth degree and it just felt like a three stooges act and it was like no you do this thing then i do this flip then you do the blah 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 and then you do this thing over here it was super athletic but it, it there was no impact to it there was no like nobody hits the ropes hard nobody takes a hard bump it just seems like they're out there they're going through the motions they're just being super safe about it which is fine but on my television screen get that shit off like it's just it's stupid and then of course the crap sunday the cherry on top is that she run with what jc what did she win with a roll-up but it's a roll-up how else there is she supposed go. to win 
She's supposed to win with some goddamn fucking backflip while she's pointing at her fucking bicep. So I think this thing had a couple issues for me. One, I just don't care about Dana Brooke. Uh, Naomi, I enjoy. I think she's very talented. Um, but I think this matchup in particular is you're taking two ridiculously awesome athletes. And a lot of the times when you put two ridiculously awesome just like pure athletes in the ring, not so much pure wrestlers, it kind of just comes off lame, like you said, because it doesn't seem like a lot of impact. Whereas you kind of need that mix of the Naomi works really well with someone who's a really good wrestler because they can sell her moves and they're more in there. You know, it just, it sells the impact more, but these two together, it d- didn't work. I don't give a shit about Dana Brooke. I'm sorry. Um, the only time I ever cheered for her was at money in the bank in Boston several years ago when she went one on with Bailey and I just wanted to be different. So I cheered for Dana Brooke, but since then I just don't care. Yep. Let's move on. Let's just, it, I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me upset. Um, well, uh, this might make you upset. Is uh, she's not like most girls. She's pretty much murdered all of them, and she can't murder herself at least. Oh, boy. So uh, Nia Jax, uh, add Kyrie Sane to the list because uh, woof, that happened. The buckle spot. So here's here's the thing, right? The buckle spot was oof, like dog dog shit, right? It, it was bad, and, and she probably hurt herself big time. Probably got concussion syndrome or something. But the thing that I want people to realize is I don't know if they pay attention to this. In the wrestling world, sometimes you get hurt, and then you get what's called a receipt. You get to hit somebody back just as hard. And Kyrie Sane did not disappoint. She had a spinning back that knocked the drizzling crap out of her face, like just slobber right out of Nia Jax's face when she hit her with that back fist. So I do feel bad for Kyrie. I don't think it's that bad. I think that, you know, you get your bell rung, it happens. But I think that Kyrie got her, her shit back when she hit her with that goddamn receipt. So. Yeah, I'm no, okay I was happy it. to see that. I'm always happy to see the receipts. It's just obviously the big thing with Nia is the track record. And I just, I don't know why they had to do this match again, but whatever. It's because it's, you know, the small little girl against the big monster, and that's what it is. But here's, so here's here's my thing, right? So let's get into this. Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Who yep. is the Who is going to hurt more people in the ring? Nia Jax, 100%. Okay. Okay, why? Because I don't think she has as much control over her body. Like Ronda's a trained killer, yes. So everything she does is legitimate. So obviously when she fake fights, it's going to still look kind of real, and some of it's going to be real just because that's how she is. You see it with Brock. He obviously has a lot more control than both of these women do. But for me, it's just I watch Nia all the time, and she can be really impressive to watch because she's such a dominant force. But I don't. I think sometimes she just loses control of what she's doing, and that's where mistakes happen, especially when you have these other people that you know are trying to sell for her. And part of it could be on people trying to oversell for her too. In some situations, not all of them. Um, but for me, it's it's Nia Jax, just based on I just think Ronda has more control. I was gonna say Nia Jax, but you know, listening to you, you made some interesting points. I think I would say Ronda Rousey only because Ronda Rousey does not want to play well with others. Ronda Rousey doesn't give a shit about other people, and Ronda Rousey just wants to be Ronda Rousey. So I think that, like, in her, you know, like I know she's saying, like, oh, you know, you know, breaking kayfabe, you know, you guys fake fight and yada yada yada, and like I'm a tough girl and all this stuff, and she is. And if I saw her, I'd probably cringe and hide into a corner because she could kick my ass. But the issue is that, you know, she beat up Alexa Bliss, she's beaten up all these women, she's done all these things because you know she thinks it's you know in her mind. The hard thing that I remember Kurt Angle saying in his book, he's just like, sometimes you just, you forget where you are and you just, your body instinctively snaps into that competitive mentality and you can hurt somebody. Nia Jax at the very least, and I know this is, this is probably a, you know, not, a, not a very uh, big theory or, or uh, you know, a lot of evidence to back up my case, but Kurt Angle would say, I'm the most dangerous person in the room. And he could, he could break anybody's arm. He could break anybody's leg. You have a bad night you're going to snap back into that mentality and you could have that bad night and hurt somebody like Turd angle is very good at what he does, but he could also be the most trained killer in the world. Like Brock Lesnar, you, you upset him, you get a fucking punch in the face, Braun Strowman. You know what I mean? So, I mean, when I look at Ronda Rousey, I think to myself, she doesn't give a shit about the well-being of somebody because she's never had to worry about the well-being of somebody in the UFC. So she's got a, at least Nia Jax has had the, I'm, you know, trying to keep somebody. Like, I think Nia Jax's things are by mistake. I think Ronda Rousey would go out and actually harm somebody by getting her bell rung or getting, you know, like getting hit into a different mentality, a different gear shift with her, because I think she's only concerned with like making it look as realistic. And I have, you know, like I think she doesn't want to lose and like all these other things. So I think it's hard for her to be doing those things. And I just, I think it's hard because Nia Jax gets a bad rap with all these beaten up, all these, you know, girls that are smaller than her, Becky Lynch, Kyrie Sane, all that stuff. But Nia Jax, is at least trained to do those things properly. And Ronda Rousey is going to always, always have default on I'm going to break a bitch. So So for me, 
it is what it is. So I completely disagree with that because obviously if you look at the track records, Nia Jax, it's like you said, yes, there are mistakes, but at some point, like the mistakes become a problem and it's literally like a lawn list. It's a laundry list pretty much. And it is, it is what it is as part of it is because she is a lot bigger and it is more, it is a lot easier for her to injure someone, but still, that's why I think it's obviously a lot more likely. Whereas Rhonda, it's like, as far as we know, she's never purposely injured anyone. Like, that hasn't been a problem because, as you can see, she actually well, well, is a very nice human, but she's never purposely injured anyone in a wrestling ring. See, that, that's the thing, and that's the thing that always makes me giggle when people are like, oh, Bret Hart is the excellence of execution. He never hurt anybody. And if you watch a Bad News Brown shoot, he goes, well, he must have forgotten about it hurting me real bad. Like, you know, people get hurt all the time. They're well, not, no, no, like, no, that's, not, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing intent because you're saying like with, with like a switch would flip and she'd all of a sudden become the trained killer. It's like that's never happened with her with all the matches that she had in that year. She was. You don't here. know that though. You and you're not in the you're not in the ring to know that though. You know what I mean? You don't yeah, know if she's had a bad night she, and her husband pissed her injured, off. And she's gonna take it out. She in the injured herself more than she injured everyone else. Like how many times you don't does she know that? Herself? That's what you read, though. Like no, because you, if, then, if you, no, if, you know it's not. It's not what you need to hear or anything. It's like you see, like oh, this person's now out of action. Nia Jax faces someone; they're out of action for a couple months. Ronda Rousey faces someone; they're not out of action. Like it's it's literal fact. There's but there are different people in this world, right? So like you, you look at this as like Nia Jax is going to be put on a pedestal in terms of like they're going to say like here's Nia Jax, the Rock's cousin, and then like every time she does something wrong, they're gonna they're gonna be like oh I can I can complain about Nia Jax or everybody on the internet can complain about Nia Jax. But not a lot of people can go to WWE management and complain about Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? You can't do that. Like, the, the pedestal for Nia Jax is here. The pedestal for Ronda Rousey is through the fucking roof. Well, She's the main event of WrestleMania. You can't, you, you can't go complain. If you complain about the Golden Goose, you might as well not be on the card. So, I mean, you don't, you, we don't know specifically who's hurt more or less. I'm just saying that Ronda Rousey, you can't go in, in and say that the Golden Goose is hurting me because then you're not going to have a match. You're not well, going to be doing off, things. Like you just and said, that woman doesn't care. We don't know that. But second of all, it's like literally like, yes, we know Nia Jax has injured more people. She's like, there's a list. Like we've seen people out with injuries after facing her where Ronda, it just, it hasn't happened. We don't know. Here's the thing. We don't know if Alexa Bliss's concussions are due to Ronda Rousey. Nobody she had concussions that... long before Ronda Rousey. She's been getting those since her NXT days. Like that's been a problem. For well, I'm her. just saying we don't we don't we don't know the extent of how many people Ronda Rousey has hurt. Though we know that Nia because it's so freaking blatant. Yeah, but here's that the thing: Ronda it, Rousey but... has a bigger target on her back than Nia Jax does. Think about it. every time she does anything, people are looking for a reason to rip her. That's the whole reason why her character flipped into like this evil person, and she's doing all these like videos is because like she had to change her character because the fans didn't want to root for her and they literally anything she would do wrong they'd pick apart well look i mean we're gonna disagree all the time on this one i just i think it's an interesting conversation to continue to have and i think the only way to do it is lock uh ronda rousey and i in a cage and let them beat the shit out of each other i think we know who would win that i'd take the train killer yeah you're right nia Jax. yeah no yeah <laughs> Uh, an untrained killer. Maybe that is actually more scary than a trained killer. That's true. You're gonna you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell me that a woman that has been the UFC Hall of Fame, the woman that is like the most amazing judo person of all time, is not gonna be able to go toe to toe with a uh, killer Samoan. I will I'll take the Samoan every time. Samoans are crazy. Samoans are crazy. I take Rousey. She would she would literally re tear all her ACLs in the first two seconds and then just like pummel her. Okay, well, you know, so some Samoans kill people, you know, they're crazy people, man. Yeah, well, I don't think Nia Jax is crazy. I think she means well. I think it just, you know, it happens. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that took a dark turn. Uh, we are in the heat, though. Um, where would you like to go next? Uh, let's see. I, I'm curious how you feel. We have, we have not talked about your boy, Braun. So I didn't dislike this i will say like i do always love when alexa and braun get together uh team little big for life like i think they're a lot of fun it was a little too sticky um but i think braun's always gonna have like shtick now just because of like he's the big lovable monster dinosaur that everyone loves he's like a badass barney that isn't weird that you know that there he's always going to be portrayed with some goofiness along with the psychoness so um i think it's interesting that they did the gift thing it was obviously not well acted at all but uh, he got his black sheet mask, so at least like we have a little bit of a story here that we can sink our teeth into. But um, the actual segment wasn't great. You took the words right out of my mouth. The acting was just terrible. Like you leave that gift for me, you know. It's just like <laughs> no, it was like what the fuck. Like look, he's the universal champion. Kudos to him. We're big fans of him. But there's just like you can see certain things where you're like, okay, Alexa Bliss can actually act. Nikki is acting like a you know a buffoon for a reason. And then there's Braun, who's just like a burly, you know, lumberjack running through the woods and being like, ooh, a present. And then like, whatever. It's just, 
I know they did a good job with it, what they could, but it's just like it's the mask was a nice touch and it surprised him and kind of fucked with his brain and everything. And that's great. But I think that this matchup specifically with Braun and, and Bray Wyatt is missing the interaction with the crowd, the interaction with having so many people around him. Like I, I think I put it on Twitter, imagine Braun having that segment, putting on that mask and then being surrounded by everybody in the ring, wearing that mask or outside just random people. And then hearing he got the whole world in your hands, just shit like that. Like, it, it, there's you can only go so far because of the quarantine but i think that i'm watching this going oh I, I hate that we are in a quarantine because this matchup right here makes me salivate like uh you know just just with so much that we can do um with this and it, they're just it, they, they're hitting singles instead of home runs with it so it's just it's super hard for me to watch like i'm i'm at, literally at bated breath thinking like all these cool things i could be doing if i was helping writing that, that those segments you know what i mean yeah, and that's my biggest frustration. It's something that kind of brought up when it started. Is just, just this is too soon. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I get why they're pulling the trigger on this feud immediately because obviously Roman isn't there and they're trying to blah, blah, blah. But it's just like Braun, I think, needed to get more legs under him before he could take on a feud like Bray Wyatt. And I think Bray still had more work to do after he took care of John Cena. Like you mentioned Jeff Hardy. I think that would have been perfect. I just think that both of these guys before they met, I think, had more work to do, specifically Braun. So, and yes, the limitations now with how you can do this feud without the crowd and interactions, I think hurts it even more. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough, but I at least think that, um, I have the hope that they will continue to slow play it. Cause I just, this is something you can't rush. Cause it's just, it's too, it's too new to just like, I don't know, to have anything definitive and it's going to be frustrating. I think week to week for the most part, but I just hope they give us little things along the way to keep us going. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Yeah, don't love it. Um, do you okay. want to uh, talk about the Vikings weird ride along? I was that a sing along? It just seemed like a grunt. I, I don't know first, exactly what I, was. On. I honestly fast forwarded through it the first time I saw it because I thought it was a commercial. I'm like, oh, they got the Viking Raiders pushing some candy bar or something. But then I realized, no, this is a promo that's part of the show, and I went back and watched it, and I just like, I don't understand why they went this direction with them especially them specifically i don't know i just i don't know i just i i don't know i need you to help me here because i don't know <laughs> i i can't help you i mean who, who <laughs> why what vikings vikings don't drive cars they're in ships why aren't they in a ship you know like why aren't they going on a canoe no pun intended i mean like why aren't they doing like random things by the water or having a viking burial with like a bunch of flames and shit like doing something cool like that whatever but like they're just they're doing these things like first off like having them in normal clothing with the pa the face paint and the headdress doesn't make any goddamn sense. Them driving is just like oh we're twenty twenty first century Vikings and we're singing this we're Viking Raiders we're Viking Raiders. It's like I get it's a chant and everything, but you take away you strip away that badassery and you make them a comedy act. I think they just got slid into that revival mode. They're just they are now going to be the comedy shtick duo. It's the end of it. It's over. Yeah. I mean. Don't so love I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that the twentieth of the twentieth of April, mark it on your calendars, folks. A Viking funeral for the Viking Raiders. Do you it's think that maybe one of uh, Heyman just got way too high because it was four twenty, and then like decided to do this? I just I hope that's the case because yeah, I don't I don't love this for them. No, it's it, it's this is the end of the end, my friend. Well, uh, speaking of the end of the end, which it hasn't ended yet, but uh, Bobby Lashley had several promos on Raw where he was flipping tires and calling his wife over um what do you think they're going here with the direction with lashley versus the tires i, I i'm glad you asked i think it's going to be a three-match series between each tire <laughs> i think it's going to be there's going to be a slight tire rotation i think they're going to go in and out um there's going to be a couple of skid marks maybe some burnt tires maybe some donuts but i think what we're going to learn here is that bobby lashley is tougher than a two dollar steak when the rubber hits the road folks i think that this one is just it's treading on me it's just not necessarily the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but I think that him lifting a standard tire and saying how it was easy peasy and watching him lift a harder tire that clearly was easy to lift with to begin with. Um, and his acting wasn't that great. And watching her run over being like, oh, my Bobby. You know what I realized? She's gotten so skinny, Lana, and she was wearing a white outfit. Uh, sorry, a red outfit. That when he flipped the tire, my brain went into cartoon mode. And she looked like olive oil, and like Bobby Lashley was Popeye. Like, oh my god, Popeye! <laughs> like that—that's what I watched, and I went, oh my god, I'm watching a cartoon right now. Like, what does this lead to? It showed that he was strong. 
how does that translate into winning matches? It doesn't. It just means like, oh, I'm strong. He was strong to begin with. He was strong at WrestleMania. He was strong before that. Like it's just like I lift weights. Yeah. How is that three dimensional? It just it looks stupid. Like it, the whole thing about it was very Popeye cartoon. Like like was the lead up the big the big push? He had a problem with it. It would have been more effective if he was that strong to not even have trouble pushing it. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I just I was at a loss with this one too. I just didn't understand why it was happening or what it had accomplished, which clearly was to have us talk about it for two minutes about how we don't know what it did. So I guess that worked. I'm tired. Listen, listen, JC, it's, it, this is very tiresome. I just I can't deal with this anymore. All right. Do you want to run through any quick heats, or should we get to the hope? Can I get you my jobber alerts? Because I feel like there's a lot. Let's do it. That'll count as the quick heats. All right. All right. There we go. I'll make sure I hopefully don't miss anything. Uh, let's see, Denzel Dejanet, or whatever his name, Dejanet, was uh, beaten up by Sheamus, in the, and I think Sheamus beat the ever-living shit out of him. He looked pretty good, too. I don't know why Sheamus is looking for a fight with Jeff Hardy. Is what it is. You know, Jeff Hardy had his redemption drug addict package, whatever. Uh, is what it is. I think that's the only thing on SmackDown I saw for jobber alerts. But on Raw, there were plenty. There were so many that I can't even count them all. Uh, big up to Indy Harwell. Uh, she did a decent job. Shana did the exact same thing she did last week. It was what it was. I think they're just trying to rebuild her. I don't really want to talk about it right now, but I think they're doing the Vince McMahon go to the mountaintop, lose, come back down, and have to start all over, rebuild again with her because I think he's not fascinated with her at all. Um, Technically, uh, as we talked about, uh, Shane and the Vink uh, were gymnastic jobbers. Uh, That happened. That was a thing. And uh, we're moving on. Let's see. Let's see. Oh. Katie Carter lost to Charlotte. Why she's on our television again? I still don't understand. Get her off my television. At least it, for her, I would want her to do an NXT Championship, uh, uh, you know, open challenge until she faces Iro uh, Shirai. But that shit ain't gonna fucking happen. Santana Garrett was gonna be a, a jobber match, but as we talked about, it was not. And I believe that's everything. But there were a lot of jobber alerts this week, folks, and I'm, I'm excited to see all these people get uh, opportunities. Yeah, a lot of enhancement for sure. And uh, you know what? Uh, they're hopeful for probably their career futures as we get hopeful on this program. Glorious. You are my only hope. Would you like me to go or would you like to go? You can go if you like. All right. Well, uh, I've been racking my brain for what I could have for hope this week. As I told you before we started recording, I had this extravagant hope, but I completely forgot what it was because I didn't write it down. So mine has to do with uh, this Friday on SmackDown. There is another men's Money in the Bank qualifying match between King Corbin and Drew Gulak. You know, I was thinking, I was like, Baron Corbin's done a lot. He's actually already won Money in the Bank. But he never cashed it in. So you know what would be great? Who better to climb the corporate ladder in this weird gimmick match than King Corbin? He would literally be on top of the mountain. He could sit on a throne on the top of the building in the wind or whatever is going on. And he could be Mr. Money in the Bank for a second time. And this time I think he would be good for him to cash in. My only fear with this hope is obviously he attacked Elias again. So the Elias is always lurking to cost him. But... My continued hope with King Corbin after he wins Money in the Bank is I think he'd be a good person, obviously, to carry around the briefcase because he'd have promos. He could tease it. He'd be that sniveling shit heel that you always want to have it. But my main hope for it is that he would not cash in until the first night of having a live crowd back because just think of that heat. You have all of us all stuck up in quarantine. Everyone gets back, and they're ready to celebrate with their people, and King Corbin cashes in. But I'm not talking about Braun. I'm talking about Drew McIntyre. I want King Corbin to ruin Drew McIntyre's moment when he finally gets it the first night in front of a live crowd, whether it's at a pay-per-view, whether it's at a Raw, whatever it is. I want King Corbin to steal that moment and then start a feud of their own. I think it would be exciting. King Corbin would be WWE champion, which would be amazing. And that's my hope. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. Well, I hope that happens. It probably won't, but good job. That's what it is. Uh, my hope is very simple, as I've been thinking about the Los Lonely Boys an awful lot, and they seem to have three matches every single week. One thing I was thinking about to myself was that I think Angel Garza and Austin Theory need to see a tag team. I think they need to go after the Street Profits because that is a tag team that I Again? would like to see. Uh, no, hold on, hold on. This time it makes sense because they're a group. Because I think having the uh, the uh, the uh, CN Andrade have the United States Championship, who has not really looked great with that championship as of late. And then having those two guys now actually be a formidable team 
I think having them win and having all three of those guys hold all three of the well, two championships, I guess, between the three of them, I think having that would make Selena look good. I don't think Selena's ever going to get the women's championship. So, I mean, just seeing those people with, you know, actual championships around them would be nice because they're already being featured anyway, and you don't have enough singles titles to give it to all three of those guys. We're at unprecedented times. We say this all the time, take a shot. Um, I hate when people say we're at unprecedented times. It fucking drives me nuts. Um, but, you know, I think that, that watching those three guys with championships, I think it's good to have, you know, people chase those heels. And I think that it's important, especially going forward, where it's just having baby faces on top and this quarantine is going to be a killer. And I think you're going to see Drew McIntyre lose that championship an awful lot quicker. I think you're going to see every baby face lose the championship a lot quicker because I think it's going to be the heels that keep the place going and running. And, and it's going to be baby faces chasing for a lot of things. I think having those only boys just have three championships is going to be the one that, uh, makes it better and it'll, it'll look good if they all start dressing similar meh okay you, whatever you didn't fine. do it for me this week usually you get me you know riled up this one doesn't do much for me we've already seen that's it fine. Twice. I, I, they're, they're losers fine. lovable losers don't call it a comeback <laughs> he's been here literally for years folks i'm giving mine to mvp no i'm just kidding i can't do it uh i'm, I'm gonna give mine I mean, I, MVP has no place on my television. That guy is three sheets to the wind. Hey, he, he is awful. Your he is boy. Just... You should be thankful. So that's where my that's where my comeback is. Apollo Cruz beats MVP in a match that should have never taken place. But a, at least Apollo Cruz looked amazing. He hit a lot of his moves. He's very strong. He, he used his finish that he used to use in NXT with the, the uh, flip power bomb, which I love. So big ups to Apollo Cruz. JC, I think this is the what I'm going to call Apollo Cruz's last stand because if he doesn't click this time, I think it's uh, bye bye forever. Yeah, I think you're on to something there. I think it's it's now or never for him. So hopefully he has a good showing because as much as I like to give you grief about him, I do really enjoy him as a competitor. I think he's incredible in the ring, and uh, I really want him to have that chance. My comeback is also going to someone who, you know, for most of her career was very underutilized, but all of a sudden, because of a wedding and some weird vignettes, she's all of a sudden, since post-WrestleMania, become kind of more of the forefront, and that's Liv Morgan picking up a big win against her Former friend, now nemesis, Ruby Riot. Liv Morgan should probably be in Money in the Bank. I think she could benefit from it. But once again, continuing to pick up wins and pick up momentum. I'm excited for her future, and I uh, she gets my comeback this week. Nice. Nice. She was also in the comeback opportunity category for me as well. I, I love that finish. I think that finish is amazing. And whoever taught her to do that or thought of it, kudos, because it's definitely impactful. Yep, they're definitely doing a good job, I think, presenting her now. I think we've talked about my love for her new entrance music and obviously with her finish coming along. I think she's finally finding her place in this WWE world. We're going to go to the big finish. One, two, three. What about new person? Next week we have Drew Gulak taking on Corbin. You kind of uh, extrapolated on that a little bit. Uh, I think Corbin's going to win big time on that one. What do you think? I hope so. God, I hope so. If Gulak wins. Gulak wins riot. Uh, Lacey versus Sasha. Foregone conclusion. Sasha's going to win that one, yeah? Ooh, disagree. I think Lacey's going to win that one. Really? I don't think Sasha's going to be in that Money in the Bank anymore, unless if they do, like, a last chance thing. I think that, uh, I think they're just going to have her be involved with this Bailey storyline continuing, and I think part of it's, I think Bailey's somehow going to cost her this match by trying to get involved, and Lacey's going to win to continue the dissension. Huh. Yeah. Did not see that coming. I like it. I like it a lot. And then finally, the women's tag titles that I couldn't care less about at this point. You don't think Mel- Dana Brooke's going to be a tag team champion and then win Money in the Bank? Dana Brooke is never going to sniff a championship in her life, folks. Oh, be careful because you might have just cursed her into a title. They're, they do have a 24-7 title, so never say never. Well, at least Who, I think who's the do. champion right now? Do we even know who that is? I think it's Gronk. Is it? He won it at WrestleMania, and we haven't seen him since, so. Oh, I thought I, we might as well recall the uh, 24-7 championship, the social distancing championship, because we're never seeing that <laughs> shit again. God, I never, so. ever we're going to see it again. I it's, hope so. it's, it's gone. So. Oh. I think that's everything for next week. Yeah, Unless I, you don't, anything else. I don't remember seeing anything for Raw. I think they, they've already have their three men's and women's representatives. They announced their title match, so they don't really have anything announced for next week. SmackDown has, I think, two more qualifying matches the next two weeks uh, to get us there. So, yeah. Becky Lynch, the biggest draw in the business, as well as Roman Reigns, not going to be part of Money in the Bank. So that that is what it is. Yeah, do so. you? I haven't I haven't seen anything, but do you know what the deal is with Becky? Obviously, I know what's going on with Roman. No, I, I mean I just I, I saw the the visual of they they put the NXT Championship uh, or champion Charlotte in the graphic, but not uh, Becky, and I thought that was an interesting tell. So that means probably the uh, Charlotte NXT Neo's Championship will be on the Money in the Bank. Yeah, which honestly, 
I don't hate it. I would like to see Charlotte EO on a big stage. Maybe it gets more eyes on EO so people can see how amazing she is. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Do you I think any... that's it. I think it's time to socialize. All right. Jobberknocker.com. That's the website where you can find all the links to the podcast. iTunes. Uh, shit. Anchor. Google Play. Spotify. <laughs> Stitcher. Archived on YouTube. Five stars. Five flames. The currency for our podcast and many podcasts. We appreciate you leaving us a five flame review. Um, but also check out our weekly articles on jobberknocker.com. That's NXT, NXT UK, AEW, and NWA Power when it returns, as well as some specialty stuff along the way. Be on the lookout for that. I believe the Quinn brothers did something recently that could be coming at you soon. Uh, as well, the Quinn twins, as I like to call them. Uh, Twitter at Jabberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Rary of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal B Cox, Facebook Jabberknocker, Instagram Jabberknocker, because we are everywhere. You want to be on the social media. That's it, folks. So, uh, not much on NXT this week that I was excited about, not much on AEW that I was really thinking of either. So, I'm going to just say uh, next week we will be back with more. Jobber knockery. <laughs>